Well, I hope that you'll all be able to join us for the uh, Mission Church picnic, the annual picnic. If you're watching us online, you can join us over at the picnic at Patterson Park today. We hope to see you there. It's going to be a great, a great day uh, with our um, high-energy, intense competition bocce tournament. And uh, yes, it's legendary. So we hope you can join us for that. Um, just echoing something that Pastor Linda said regarding your giving, I also want to thank you, especially for your support to missions. Um, among those that we support overseas is a uh, couple in Uganda, uh, a Ugandan pastor, John Kubuye, his wife Joan. And um, he is the uh, overseer, the bishop overseeing the Fellowship of Born Again Churches in Uganda, Fellowship of over 10,000 churches. And uh, we've been supporting him for years. He is our Uganda coordinator for global leadership training. And uh, last month, he was overtaken by uh, COVID. And it was very serious. He uh, ended up in the hospital and needed to be put on oxygen. There in Uganda, the healthcare system is not like it is here in the U.S. and access to hospitals. Somebody say, thank God for the United States. We don't realize how good we have it. We need to remind ourselves amongst all of the complaining that's going on today against the U.S., but uh, there it costs uh, actually a couple hundred dollars uh, a day for oxygen, U.S. dollars they charge for oxygen, and uh, they just didn't have those kind of resources, but through your missions giving, we were able to uh, help them get the oxygen that, that he needed to actually survive. He was, it was really touch and go there, so he did pull through. And uh, thanks to um, your giving. Also, we found out that while he was there in the hospital, um, he was robbed. Yeah, he was robbed. And uh, robbers came in and actually physically accosted him while he was getting treatment in his room and, and stole uh, an iPad that we bought him uh, some years ago, which is really crucial to his ministry and his church. And, and uh, their churches have been shut down for a while. They do... Um, streaming. So he uses that iPad to do the streaming for their services and to communicate with a lot of people, but um, it was stolen. But uh, we, we uh, were able to help him and replace that iPad, so we sent him uh, some funds to be able to do that through the, the monies that you've been giving to missions. Amen. So it really is a blessing to be able to stand with our international partners for the gospel, and uh, your giving enables us to do that. So thank you for your gifts. Amen. All right, take your Bibles, turn with me to Acts, Acts chapter 21, as we continue our series in the book of Acts. And uh, we're actually coming up on, uh, coming towards the end of, of the book of Acts. And we're going to be in Acts 21 today. Um, before we read the text, I want to provide some background to this text we're going to read and provide a little context for the word today. Um, in Acts chapter 18, Paul said to uh, the people around him, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem. Talking about the Feast of Pentecost. Acts 19.21, Paul purposed in the Spirit, the Bible says, after his missionary journey, to go to Jerusalem. Acts 20.16 says Paul was hurrying to be at Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 20, Paul said, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. 
So what is the point? The point that I want us to see here is that at, at some place in, in uh, Paul's missionary journeys, he was feeling the leading of the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And because he was feeling the leading of the Spirit and that compulsion, he made the decision to go to Jerusalem. Now that decision for Paul to go to Jerusalem after his third missionary journey seems like a small thing to us, but this was a hard decision for Paul to make in his life. And so we come to Acts 21, where Paul is now on his way to Jerusalem, and he stops to visit his friends. And in Acts 21, verse 8, we pick up the story, and it says, On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed, came to Caesarea, and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, the seven original deacons, and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Verse 11, when he had come to us, he took, the prophet Agabus took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Verse 13, Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, the will of the Lord be done. Going to Jerusalem was not an easy decision for Paul. For Paul, this was a hard choice. Because he knew that in Jerusalem, he had been vilified by the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders there. He was hated by the devout Jews. And he would surely be assaulted, and he would be arrested, and he would be imprisoned for his faith. Going to Jerusalem, even though he felt led of the Spirit, was a hard choice for the Apostle Paul. And this brings us to really the point of the message that I have today, and the lesson that we learn from Paul. It's a lesson about making really hard choices. Hard choices. More specifically, that if you follow Christ, if you say yes to Jesus, as many of us have learned over the years, if you are really going to obey Jesus in your life, there will be times when you will have to make some really hard choices. Hard cho Everybody say hard choices. Now for Paul, it meant saying yes to the leading of, his, of the Spirit in his life and putting himself and his safety and his health in jeopardy by going to Jerusalem.
some, maybe some here today, it may mean leaving a job, leaving a very comfortable, lucrative career, saying yes to the mission field, selling your home, packing up your family, and going to serve the Lord in another country, which many have done, by the way. I know it's good, you know, that we can be here and have our nice home, and we can have our wonderful job, and we can have our health care and good schools for our kids, but you know that there are many, many Christians today that have felt the call of God to go to Jerusalem. Not Jerusalem literally, but Jerusalem in the sense that they had to make a hard choice. Make a hard choice. For others, it may mean leaving a relationship behind. Maybe you're unmarried and maybe you're in a relationship. You're a young adult. Maybe you're an older adult. You're in a relationship and you realize that that relationship is, is unhealthy because you're unequally yoked to someone who is not following Christ. And so you're at a point where you have to make a hard choice because the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about something. For some, it may mean quitting a habit that you've had for years, making some serious life changes because you feel the Holy Spirit dealing with some idols in your life, something that you have allowed to be elevated in your life more than the Lordship of Jesus Christ. For some, it may mean removing toxic people from your life. For others, it may simply mean forgiveness, giving forgiveness to someone. For some, it may mean taking a stand for Christ and saying no to the culture of this world that is now demanding the church to bow before its idols, taking a stand for Christ, even jeopardizing your career because of that stand, jeopardizing your security, your health care, your economics, even your family. For some, hard choices simply means making a decision that may offend some people or disappoint some people or even make some people angry and possibly even ending some relationships that are important to you. But whatever it may be, following Christ often means making some really hard choices. This is what we see in the life of Paul. And we make these decisions. Those of us who have followed Christ for any amount of time, you know what I'm talking about. Amen? You, you know what I'm talking about. You can think right now of some hard choices that you've had to make in your past. And we make these decisions not because we want to, but because like Paul, we are compelled to. Because we serve not our preferences and our comforts, but because we serve a Lord who we've submitted our lives to. When we look at this moment in Paul's life, I think we can identify some issues that will help us navigate our hard choices as well. Father, help us today, Lord, because I believe that this is, a, this is a timely word for some people that right now are contemplating some hard choices. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Let this not just be a sermon. Let it be a word from God. Let this be an affirmation, a confirmation to some that they are hearing from you today, God. And that hard choices are things that Christ followers often need to make. The first issue that um, we see 
that is presented in Paul's life is the issue of convictions. Can you say the word convictions? Convictions. Convictions. What are convictions? These are firmly held principles or beliefs that guide our decisions. Chances are, if you are faced with a really hard choice, it's because of convictions that the Holy Spirit is trying to establish in your heart. You see, people without convictions don't make hard choices because they live by preference, not by principle. Whatever appeals to their comfort, whatever makes them feel good for the moment, whatever removes pressure from their their life, whatever makes them happy right now is what they do. And it may surprise you that, that most people, even people who follow Christ or say that they follow Christ, they don't necessarily do what is right Instead, they do what is right for them in that moment. How many understand the difference? Right? Too many people. They're not doing what's right in absolute terms, determined by principle and convictions. They're doing what's right for them and best serves their interests in that moment. They say, well, if staying married makes me happy... Being faithful to my spouse makes me happy and, 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 and makes me content, then I'll stay married. But if I can be happier with someone else, then I'll go with someone else. If lying to my boss will advance my career, well, then I'll, I'll lie to my boss. If telling the truth rather helps me to get promoted, then I'll tell the truth. If getting an abortion allows me to be free from my responsibilities and live my life and become self-actualized, then I'll have an abortion because that's what best serves me in the moment. But people of principle, people of conviction, do what they know is right regardless of what it costs them personally or regardless of what benefit they can receive by compromising their principles. How many are tracking with me this morning? We're talking about being a Christ follower. Convictions, principles that guide our decisions, come from one of three sources. We're all three. Number one, the Word of God. Can you say the Word of God? The Word of God, this is our number one source for making decisions in our lives. Hard choices. So, a quick example. When I first became a Christian, um, I worked in construction. I was uh, working as a carpenter, and I loved it, and I was enjoying it, and um, I was learning the trade, and I was doing well, and I actually had just moved into a foreman position and uh, finished this one job that we were on. The, uh, the owner of the company came to me, showed me the blueprints for the next job, and I noticed that in the blueprints, it was, um, it was, it was plans for building a, a bar, a pub in our community. And, um, and I had a problem with that. I had a problem with using my skills that I was learning for building a place where people would come in and get drunk. Um, for, for three reasons. First of all, because I had been delivered from a life of substance abuse. And second, because of a scripture in the Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. In Habakkuk 2.15 where it says, Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor 
pressing him to the bottle to make him drunk to expose his nakedness. So the Word of God gave me a foundation for that conviction. And thirdly, because I knew I, w- I was called ultimately to be a pastor, and I could not, I could not feel justified in building a place where people would be bound into the very sins that God had called me to deliver them out of, right? And so I said to my boss, who knew I was born-again Christian, I said to my boss, I said, I, 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 have, a, I have a problem with this. I said, you know I'm a Christian. I, I have a problem with building a bar um, when I'm against, I'm against the alcohol industry, right? So I asked him, is there another job? And he said, there are no other jobs available. It's a big job, and we're pulling all of our crews onto this job, and I need you to be a part of it. And I said, if, if there's no other job, I can't do it. And he said, well, if, I, if you can't do it, then I'm going to have to fire you. And I said, well, you don't have to fire me. I'll just quit. So I quit. And I joined the ranks of the unemployed. The word of, everybody say the Word of God. I'll come back to that story in a moment. The purpose of the Word, God gives us His Word for life instruction. The B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. (laughs) The Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. If any decision that you are making puts you in opposition to the Word of God, it is a bad decision. Can anybody say a bad decision? Right? Go to the Word of God. When you are looking at a choice, go to the Word of God. Start there and ask yourself this question. Does this thing contradict God's Word? Does it cause me to compromise God's Word in any way? And listen, when you take that approach, it will often result in you having to make some hard choices. Amen? Because listen, if you're, young ladies, if you're dating an unsaved guy, if you're dating an unsaved guy, if you're interested in an unsaved guy, right, then you're going to see a scripture there that says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So now you're going to be faced with a hard choice. Everybody say a hard choice. And if you're dating a Christian guy, so-called, but he wants you to become sexually active, and you read in the Bible where it says, flee sexual immorality, then guess what? You have another hard choice. Because number one, he's probably not a Christian if he's pressuring you to become sexually active. And number two, if you do, then you're violating the Word of God. Anybody with me this morning? Or is this, is this, not, is this not a happy enough message for you? I don't know. Amen? If an angel appeared to you and told you to divorce your husband because he's not making you happy, or if an angel appeared to you and told you to to go out to dinner with that secretary because your wife isn't making you happy, that word's not from God because it's a word causing you to violate marriage and, and to be involved in adultery. I remember hearing about a celebrity pastor. Um, doesn't that sound funny? Celebrity pastor? Isn't that like an oxymoron? Like... A celebrity. I think the worst thing for a pastor is this thing we call celebrity. I really do. Because pa- listen, we pastors we're not wired for celebrity. We're really not. It's not. That's not supposed to be. But anyway, I heard this guy came home and and he said to his wife, he said, "Today I met the woman that God actually intended for me to marry." That's what he told. Him. Yeah. And then he divorced his wife. With three, within three months, they were divorced, and he was with the other woman. 
If your boss wants you to lie about the profits for the last quarter to show that your team is doing better than it actually is, you know what the Word of God says about, about deceit and lying, right? If buying a new car makes it impossible for you to pay your tithe, because now you've got to pay, make a car payment, then guess what? You know the Word of God is telling you that you need to pay your tithe. And that our lifestyles and our economics need to be arranged in such a way so that God gets first. Amen? Amen. Right? The Word of God is profitable for reproof, correction, instruction, and, and righteousness. So the Word of God helps give us, us our convictions. The second thing is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So this is what Paul was relying on because Paul he didn't have a copy of the Scriptures like we have a copy of the Scriptures today, right? In Acts 20.22, 20, he said, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will start dealing with us and convicting us about things in our lives before we even read a Scripture about that thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Holy Spirit just starts dealing with you, right? This is what Jesus meant when He said in John 16, when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. And, and verse 7 and 8, He said, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send Him to you, and when He has come, He will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. He will convict us, right? He will persuade us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you'll know it. It's kind of like a pressure that comes upon your consciousness. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The conviction. Anybody ever feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Right? About half of you? All right. I, in the name of Jesus, today, by the end of this message, Lord, let the pressure of the Holy Spirit hit our lives. Amen? The conviction of the Holy Spirit. The, and, and conviction is good. Everybody say conviction is good. Right? It's just like pain is good. Because you need pain. Because pain is a defense mechanism in your body. Pain shows you that you cut yourself or you wounded yourself and, and so something's wrong. And if you don't deal with that cut or that wound, it could get infected and it could become a problem in your life, right? And so pain is to our spirit what, what I mean, conviction is to our spirit what pain is to our... Did I just say conviction is pain? Conviction is pain, but it's good pain, right? Amen? No pain, no, no pain, no gain, right? So we need the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? <laughs> Come on, this is a great message right now. This is, you know, we're talking about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is what we need. Amen? Come on, are we Christ followers or not? This is not just some religious badge we wear on Sundays to make us feel good about walking in our own lusts Monday through Saturday. That's what some people who are religious do. They just come to church on Sunday to feel better about all their disobedience Monday through Saturday. So they come on Sunday and feel, oh, I put my time in on Sunday so I can feel good about being a rebel Monday through Saturday. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. Amen? If you're a Christ follower, you want to be more like Jesus, right? Christ is what? Amen, right? It's a nice song to sing. You know what to say about Christians? We don't tell lies, we sing them. That's why this is a great message. We're talking about conviction of the Holy Spirit to bring us closer to Christ. Amen? So when you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit, guess what? It's going to, it's going to mean you're going to make some hard choices. 
If you're making hard choices, if you're faced with hard choices, chances are in your life you're following the Word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If, you're not making hard, if you are not put in a place where you have to make hard choices, then I question whether or not you're really hearing the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, that, that wasn't even in my notes. I'm just... Okay, the third thing, Word of God, conviction of the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. How many want the mind of Christ? Amen. A sanctified conscience. Colossians 3 says, If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things where? Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Amen. Amen. Philippians 2.5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. You know what I spent most of the day, most of the morning doing yesterday? Pulling weeds out of an area of my yard. Because that's the natural state of things, right? To be overtaken by weeds and wilderness. And it's not just true for the soil in the world, it's true for the soil of our hearts. The natural condition of our hearts is to be overcome by weeds and wilderness. And we've got to constantly do what the Word of God here is. says, set your mind. Set your mind. How many know what that's about, Right? You've got to correct your gaze. You've got to discipline where you're focused and what you're thinking about. Set your mind. Holy Spirit, help me to set my mind on things above and not on the things of the earth because weeds are always trying to grow in my heart and in my mind. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? The mind of Christ means that you are focused on His Word, listening to His Spirit. Amen. All right, let me move on here. The first issue to navigate in making hard choices is conviction. Everybody say conviction. The next element is something you are guaranteed to encounter when you stand on your convictions and you make hard choices. Guaranteed. Criticism. There will always be people who think it's their job to tell you what they think about the hard choice that you're making. Anybody ever notice that? Right? It's their calling to be the Holy Spirit in your life. Or some spirit. Maybe not the Holy Spirit. I don't know what spirit some people got, but Paul had his critics. After Paul left the Ephesian elders, he went on his way to Jerusalem in in, in Acts 21. Before he got to the prophet Agabus, he stopped at a city called Tyre earlier in that chapter, verse 4. And it says, finding some disciples there, we stayed seven days. And listen to this. They told Paul through the spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. So Paul... But already, he had said numerous times, I started out by reading where he felt compelled, the Holy Spirit put it in his heart, was calling him to Jerusalem. But now we have some disciples, right, who are telling him, and the Scripture says, through the Spirit, not to go to Jerusalem. We also read in verse 12, after the prophet warned Paul of the chains and tribulations that awaited him, and they, the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem, right? Over and over, People told Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't make this decision. You're crazy. If you do this, you're going to lose everything. The Jews will kill you. Even that statement in in verse 4, where it says the disciples at Tyre, they told Paul through the Spirit to not go to Jerusalem. What does that mean? Through the the Spirit. Well, when when you study it out in the Greek, the original language of the New Testament The words, the Greek words there that are used do not indicate that the disciples were speaking for the Holy Spirit as though they were prophets giving direction. 
from the Holy Spirit to Paul. It means that they were speaking because of what the Holy Spirit had showed them. There's a difference. In other words, as a consequence of what the Spirit revealed to them, they pleaded with Paul not to go. But that does not necessarily mean that this, it was the Holy Spirit speaking through them to tell Paul not to go. How many are tracking with me? You understand the difference there, right? What's the lesson? The lesson is this. People may rightly discern something that the Spirit is doing, but they may not always rightly discern what the Spirit is doing in you. Right? Sometimes people get an insight from the Holy Spirit about the situation, but they lose sight of where the Holy Spirit stops and their flesh takes over. And so they start to read in their own impressions, right? As to what how they apply the Holy Spirit's revelation to your life, right? They think that they can tell you what to do about the revelation that they've received. But they don't realize where, they're, where the leading of the Holy Spirit has ended, revelation has ended, and their own ideas and their own opinions have taken over, okay? And this is where you need to have discernment for your own life. 1 John 2.20 says, You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. 1 John 4.1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. In other words, the, the, the Holy Spirit that is speaking to people, that same Holy Spirit that is speaking to them lives in you. So you need to hear from the Holy Spirit directly for you. It's great that the Holy Spirit speaking to them about you, but you need to hear about you from the Holy Spirit. Amen? Never make life-changing decisions based on prophetic words. You need to hear from God for yourself. Amen? Amen. Okay? So there will always be critics. There will always be people, well-meaning people, good people, that want to speak into your life. These were all good people. They, had, they were well-intentioned. They had good motives. They were pure at heart, right? But Paul had to hear what the Holy Spirit was saying in his life. Because understand something. Some people just won't get your convictions. They won't understand. Because God is taking you to a different place. Some people will say, you know, they'll think that they can do certain things in the flesh that I will feel like I can't do those things. And then people will get offended at me because I say, I can't do those things, right? And the reason why I can't do those things, they're not right, they're not right for me because I know where God is trying to take me. So God may not be taking those people to where God's... I'm not saying I'm better or more spiritual. It's just a different calling, a different place, a different journey on my life. And because I know where God is trying to take me, there are certain things I can't do that some people may feel that they can do. And that's the liberty that we have in Christ. But here's the thing. Okay? We cannot use the freedom we have in Christ as a means to gratify the flesh. Okay? The standard is always this. In, in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, it says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Okay? So the, the standard that we use to determine whether or not we should do something is not whether or not I can get away with it, Right? The standard is, will this thing draw me closer to Christ or will it drag me down into the flesh? Right? Amen? How many are getting this? Right? So criticism. So you've got to be able to hear for yourself. 
Okay? The third thing Paul had was courage. Everybody say courage. He was not afraid to make a hard choice. It says, verse 11, they pleaded with him not to go, and Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. If you're going to make some hard choices, you need to have courage. Because it often means, listen, the reality is that initially those hard choices could cost you personally. Let's face the reality, amen? You're not going to hear a lot of this kind of preaching today. That if you make a hard choice to follow Jesus or to obey God, it's probably going to cost you. We step over that point and we, and we just get into, well, the Lord has great plans for you and God's going to... You have to understand that there's good, there may be some sacrifice involved. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar may throw you in the fire. Amen. I'll say that with a smile. Nebuchadnezzar may throw you in the fire, but be of good cheer, Jesus said, for I have overcome the world. Amen? It may cost you professionally. It may cost you professionally to go against what other people, even significant people in your life, think you should do. And too many people, Christ followers, are making unhealthy decisions because they're following after the approval and the affirmation of people rather than following after Christ. They're making unhealthy decisions simply because they don't want to disappoint someone or because they fear criticism or they fear rejection. So they just go along with what someone else tells them to do instead of being light and salt in the earth. How many people continue in unhealthy relationships, bad career paths, toxic churches, just to be accepted and get some affirmation. If you're going to make hard choices, get ready. Everybody say, get, re get ready. <laughs> get ready. Because you're going to disappoint some people. Right? You're going to make some people mad. One guy said, I, I prayed for God to deliver me from evil, and I started to lose friends. <laughs> you find out who your friends are. Sometimes it's just a way for God to weed out toxic people who are an influence in your life. You find out who your friends are, who really cares about you, as opposed to people who just want you around because of how they can use you. They only want you there because of the benefit they get from you being there. That's it. They don't really care about you. Amen? Paul had courage. He said, I don't... He said, I know... Agabus, my friends, you, you don't want to hear this. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be painful. I know I'm going to lose, but I know what God is calling me to do. Amen? And when you get to that point, it's liberating. When you get to that point, it really is. It's liberating. Amen. Hallelujah. Because you just don't care. It's so freeing to not care what people think. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It really is. It's just so liberating to be in a place where like, I don't really care what you think. Anyway, right? It brings you to a place of confidence. This is the last point. We'll close. Confidence. Not in himself. 
not in himself, but in the grace of God to sustain him. He said, I am ready, Acts 21.13, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased. <laughs> we ceased. Right? Hallelujah. Saying the will of the Lord be done. He surrendered to the will of God and had faith that God would sustain him. This is what it means to follow Christ. To obey even when we don't understand what will be the consequence of that obedience. To trust in the Lord, not in, not in our own heart, not to lean in our own ability to figure it out and to make things happen, right? but to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Amen. Paul had faith that God, not that God would make it easy. He knew it would be hard. And it was hard. As you read on in the next chapters, it was hard. I mean, Paul was beaten. I mean, a mob, as soon as they saw he I mean, a mob, they, they bum-rushed him and they just beat him senseless, right? Then the Romans had to come in and had to deliver him from the mob. They actually had to lift him up over their heads, carry him out of the mob, Right? And then they took these, these tongs and they put them around Paul's neck to take him to say, we're going to examine him under scourging to get the truth out of this guy to find out who he is. They were going to whip him like they whipped Jesus, scourging. And it was only then that Paul said, are you sure you want to you scourge a Roman, someone who's a Roman citizen? And then they, they backed off a little bit. But it was hard. He knew it was going to be hard, right? But he had faith that God would be in it. No matter how hard it would be, God would be in it, God would bring him through it, and God would use it to cause all things to work together for the good in his life. Right? Because of Paul's appeal, now listen to this, because of Paul's appeal to Rome, it put him on a pathway now to meet before several high-ranking leaders and eventually to go to Rome and meet Caesar himself. That's what happened here when Paul made this decision to go to Jerusalem. Because of that, he ended up in Rome for two years under house arrest. And during those two years, crowds of people would come to his house and he was allowed to minister to them. Because of what happened to him in Jerusalem, he was elevated to a place of prominence and influence that he had a ministry that he couldn't have, he couldn't have designed for himself. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 22... Paul was in Rome, and he wrote to Philippi, and he said, all the saints here in Rome greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. What does that mean? That means that what happened in Jerusalem sent Paul to Rome and elevated Paul to a place where he had influence in Caesar's very household. God causes all things to work together for the good, amen? It doesn't mean you won't get bum-rushed and beaten. You might. I'll say that with a smile. It doesn't mean that you won't get bum-rushed and beaten. You might. But God causes all things to work together for the good. Amen? Because he followed his convictions, because he endured criticism and took courage and had confidence, God worked all things together for the good. That's the thing about hard choices. They can be life-defining moments. Amen? Let me have the worship team join me up here. Because you say yes to God, you can be assured it puts you on a pathway to His greater purpose. You can't see it from where you're standing. And some of us today, you might be at a place where you have to make a hard choice. And it's listen, it's only hard. The only reason it's hard is because 
you can't see the outcome from God's side. That's the only reason. If you could see it from God's side, it wouldn't be hard. Because you would see that God's trying to work something out in your life. Amen. Remember I told you about that job I had in construction and I quit? Um, it was a Wednesday that I, that I quit. It was a Wednesday. That night we had church. I went to church and uh, I told my pastor what had happened that day. I told him that they were, they were building a bar and I said it was just my conviction. I, just, I couldn't do that just where I'm at and where I know God has taken me. And as I was telling him the story, his, his, his mouth started to open, his jaw dropped. He said, I can't believe what you're, you're telling me. He said, you know, just today we were meeting with the board and we need to hire someone to come on full time on staff as an assistant to the youth pastor. The youth group in that church was, was huge. We need an assistant to the youth pastor. And he said, Your, yours was one of the, the names. And he said, based on what you're telling me right now and the sense that I'm getting from the Holy Spirit, you're the guy. He said, I want to offer you a full-time position. I said, I don't have, I didn't go to Bible school or anything. He said, you come. He says, we'll pay for your, your training, your instruction, your education. We'll put you through it. You come in full-time. So I took that job. And that became, that became the beginning point of my ministry career. It wasn't that the pastor offered me a job. It was that I made a hard choice. Now listen, please, I'm not trying to make myself a hero of this story. I'm trying to make the grace of God the hero in this story. Right? The grace of God. If, God's, if, the, if a hard choice is being presented to you, you're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You're seeing the confirmation in the Word of God. See the hand of God in your situation. See that God is trying to open something up in your life that He can't open up where you are. You want to get to a new place, but you can't get to that new place where you are. you got to go to another place, right? Amen? And you think the hard choice is this big thing. Listen, the thing isn't the thing. The thing is only the thing to get you to the thing. Did you get that? Amen? Let me say it again. The thing is not the thing. The thing is just the thing to get you to the thing. I want to get to the thing. Stop looking at the thing and realize that hard choice it's just a doorway that God's trying to get you through to get you to another place. Amen? Hallelujah. You can't get home until you go out those doors, get in your car, and start driving. Amen? You can't get to the next level and take, you get out of the place where you are now. Whatever that place is, I don't know. Make the decision. Make the hard choice and trust God to bring you through it. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Paul shows us that hard choices is a fact of walking with Christ. Amen? Father, help us today, Lord. Help us today, God, because I get a sense, Lord, that there are some even now that are being faced with a hard choice. Some young people looking at relationships in their lives, people they've allowed into their lives, young ladies who have allowed young men into their lives, young men who are pursuing young ladies and realizing that they need to make a hard choice about these relationships. People who have decisions to make in their workplace, decisions to make about where they stand professionally and what kind of a, what kind of a person they're going to be there people, Lord God, who are realizing that they need to break free from habits in their life. Lord, I don't know what the hard choices are, Lord, but I pray that right now you'll give the grace, Lord. Come on, if that's you and you just need grace 
You need God's grace to help you. Just lift up your hand and say, Lord, I'm faced with a choice right now. Lord, I'm going through something. God, I need grace. I need grace. Come on, lift up a hand and just say, yes, Lord, I need grace right now, God. Come on, lift up that other hand and say, Lord, I surrender to you. I trust you, God. I don't know where this is going to take me, Lord, but I trust you and I pray for the grace, God. The grace, Lord, that I need to make the choice that needs to be made to follow your perfect will in my life, Lord God. Hallelujah. Your grace, Lord God. Your grace, Lord God. Can we sing that Christ is enough? Christ is enough. Enough for me. Yes, you are, Lord. Christ is Help us, enough Lord. Enough for me. Hallelujah, Lord. Everything I need is in Yes, Lord. It's in you, Lord. Everything I need. It's in you, Lord God. Oh, Christ is enough. It's for not in my career. It's not in my employer. Christ it's not in some relationship with a with a man with a Lord it's Lord it's in you God everything everything I need, I need it's in you Lord God you sustain me you provide for me you lead me God I trust in you Lord come on make it personal right now lift your hands and just say Christ is enough you're enough Lord you're enough Lord for me Everything I need is in you, Lord. Everything, everything I need. Oh, Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Yes, Lord. Everything I need. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to pray for those that need to go, God, some of the parents that need to get their, their kids. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your spirit will go with us, Lord, and you'll continue to speak to us, Lord, about making what seem to be for us hard choices, Lord, but from your perspective, it's just walking through an open door to the next level. Lord, I pray, give, give the grace, Lord, to those that need that today in Jesus' name. And for those that want to remain and linger and worship and get prayed for, pray, God, that your presence will meet us today in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to go, you can go. Parents, you can go get your, your, your children. And uh, if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. The altars are open. You can come and get prayed for. If you're facing some hard choices, you need some grace. You need some grace in your life for God to give you the strength. If you want to just remain and linger and worship, you're welcome to do that as well. Let's worship the Lord for a few